This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Hello and welcome to Culture Check, the Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the tailgatesociety.com subscribe to tailgate society podcast on spotify and apple podcasts i'm owner woods and i'm joined as always by emily cornell emily what's going on you know not a whole lot just kind of hanging out it's getting to be like the end of the summer so everyone's doing their last minute like trips and everything and i'm just out here in the texas heat but it's everything's good how are things going for you things are good went to a wedding this week uh or this weekend i guess yesterday Kind of chilled a little bit, spent some time with the family, had a virtual family reunion nice. over the over the course of the weekend, so that was pretty good. But yeah, um, all good on our end, all good, all good. Pretty pretty chill, which is nice as the school year starts back up. Um, trying to prepare for that, we were just talking about that a little bit off air, but it's almost the end of the summer. That's crazy, isn't it? Does it seem like the the how how, how do you even like digest time these days? I found it kind of tough to conceptualize a bit yeah no i totally agree like time conceptualizing any time is just like wait what and like i have a wedding coming up in september and i'm like wait that's a month away and it doesn't feel like it should be but i felt that way at like the fourth of july it you know it was the holiday and i'm like wait what are we what are we celebrating we're just it's memorial day no it's the fourth of july um so time does not feel real and and it hasn't in Texas. Like the, the first couple of years I've lived here, it's gotten super hot. Like it got into like the hundreds, like over a hundred degrees. And like it didn't really do that this summer. So I think I'm still waiting for that. So I'm like, oh, like I, it, it's not fully summer yet. It's still like June. And so like with the Olympics wrapping up this week, I'm or like a couple like yesterday might have been the last day or Friday. And I'm just like, wow, what? Why is it, the Olympics are ending? That doesn't seem right. So uh, time is throwing me for a loop. It's um, maybe we should have picked something that had to do with like time travel and like we could have gone back to Loki and talked about like the time travel because like, man, it does not. This summer does not feel real. And I'm sure it feels the same for you, like especially with like the job transition and just like the last year and a half. Yeah, I'm kind of like playing catch up a lot, I feel like, with the switching to the new role and meeting as many people as I can in the in the building I work in. And it's uh, it's it's tough, but it's, you know, it, I, there's always something to do every day. My days go pretty quickly because I'm always like meeting with someone or planning something and meeting with my grad assistant and stuff. I'm meeting with uh, someone tomorrow about my old job, actually, a potential candidate to kind of talk to her about. You know, for someone who's just going to apply for the job, who I know through a connection through one of my coworkers. So I don't know. I'm trying to, there's a lot to look forward to, right? Um, there's a lot of, not just school, but we were just talking also about like the sports aspect of it. A lot of like 
college sports coming back. You know, the NBA will be here before we know it, even though it just ended because they're trying to get back on the regular schedule. So, uh, lots to look forward to sports entertainment wise. Uh, and there's a lot of movies coming out I want to see too. Yes. Look to that. So that'll be dope. Are you going to watch The Suicide Squad? Um, I've heard it's like very good. I have a friend yeah. who saw it twice within a couple of days span. Like, oh, okay. y- yeah, very high praise to it. And I was like, well, I trust your judgment. So I, it's definitely on the list of movies. And I, when I went to go see Black Widow, pretty much every movie that had a trailer before Black Widow, I was like, oh, I want to see that. Oh, I want to see that. And like, that doesn't happen a lot. And maybe because I don't go to like a ton of movies, but I feel like there's a lot of action movies coming out in the next couple of months that just look fun. And, and I mean, at least in Austin, the, in Texas, we're not about to go into like a full shutdown. So no, not here either. Yeah. Like, I think it'll just be like wear masks. And then if there's like a booster, we're getting boosters, but so it's, it's, I mean, yeah, there's still like the caution, but I I think it'll be a, a movie theater will be a pretty okay place to go. Well, we're talking, I guess we can transition in there. We're not talking about a movie, but we are talking about something movie adjacent, right? We're they including our, our Star Wars run before we do um, our last episode. This is kind of our penultimate episode of the Star Wars run. And we're talking about The Mandalorian, which is a Disney Plus TV show. Kind of, I guess you could consider it the flagship TV show of, of Disney Plus. But, you know, as we've stated on previous podcasts that Disney purchased Lucasfilm, and one of the uh, big IP pieces that they're doing is creating this TV show um, based on uh, a Mandalorian character who they introduced. You know, we we as fans know Boba Fett is a Mandalorian. For those of you who watch Clone Wars or Rebels, there are Mandalorians on that show. But um, the flagship show, The Mandalorian, started, I believe, in 2019. Um, yes, there was a season 2019 and a season in 2020. So we're going to be talking about that show. There's been two seasons of the show. Um, it kind of came out of the gate as a phenomenon. There was a lot of secrecy around it, uh, but a lot of hype around it. And so why don't we just start with kind of an overview um, of the show. I can kind of give an overview of it a little bit and maybe we can fill in some of the gaps if I'm missing anything, but. Yeah, and spoilers. If you haven't watched The yes. Mandalorian, we appreciate you making it this far, but um, this is a show you should go and watch. We don't want to ruin it for you. It's a very well done show. So thanks. Spoilers now about to happen. So yeah, The Mandalorian was uh, created by Jon Favreau. He of um, Marvel Studios fame, directed the first two Iron Man movies, um, was a former actor and turned director. And it is, in the chronology, takes place a few years after Return of the Jedi, um, five years after Return of the Jedi, stars Pedro Pascal um, as, I think his official name is like Din Jarden, Din mm-hmm. Jaren. Um, but he's mostly referred to as Bando throughout the series. And it's basically a space Western about his adventures. Um, the first episode is, you know, he's a bounty hunter. He gets hired for this job and he ends up finding a creature who the fans affectionately refer to as baby Yoda. And who was a, you know, 
quote unquote child version, even though he's 50 years old, but he ages slowly. I have some thoughts about that actually we can get to later. Um, but his job is to capture this creature, but he has an affection for it. And they, it's basically the first season is basically like episode of the week, their adventures, him hiding out from other bounty hunters. But the, the structure of the show is basically he goes to a different planet meet some of the locals and has an adventure with them. And um, that's basically how the first season goes. Um, the season concludes with uh, the big bad, Moff Gideon, trying to take the child to do experience, experiments on him because he is you know, a pretty powerful force being. Um, they get away from him at the end. And the second season is a lot more serialized. Um, there's uh, some components from other Star Wars universes in that in the second season. I'm thinking of Ahsoka Tano. I'm thinking of Bo-Katan from, from the Clone Wars. They get their live-action debuts. Obviously, it concludes in a spectacular fashion with um, Luke Skywalker coming through. Um, the original Boba Fett comes through a little bit. So um, still a bit of a episode of the week format, but a little bit more of a longer overarching plot line as far as getting the child or Grogu, baby Yoda, um, into the hands of a Jedi so he can be trained. So that's basically it. Is there anything else that uh, you kind of want to hit on? No, I think you did a good overview of both of the seasons and kind of what they're all about, the, the overarching plot, basically. Um, and it's when you were talking about the second season and how it kind of brings in these other characters like Bo-Katan and um, I and Boba Fett. And I remember watching the second season with some friends and they were like, man, this is just such fan service, but I love it. And so I think of that when it, that for folks who did watch like um, Clone Wars and um, they have like the full appreciation for who all these characters are and how they all fit together. So when the series was announced, I guess, to the beginning, like, what what was your thoughts on, hey, the Mandalorian, it's not going to be, there's, there was rumblings that Disney was going to do a Boba Fett show, and it kind of evolved into this thing, kind of like Boba Fett adjacent, like a Boba Fett-like character, and obviously Boba Fett ends up being interwoven into the series. Yeah. But... When a lot of people thought it was going to be a Boba Fett TV show, it might have even been announced that they were going to do that, and then that kind of gets gets scrapped and and evolves into this Mandalorian show. So, what did you think about the the concept of the show? I guess when you heard about it, so I didn't know too much about this show when it came out, and I wasn't going to get Disney Plus, and I was kind of just like, I, I'll watch it eventually, whatever. Um, I wasn't like a great fan who would like go seek out the content. I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it eventually. I'm sure. But then my roommate watched it and was like, this show is so great. Oh my gosh. And I was like, okay, when all the episodes are out, I'll like sit and watch all of it. And it just didn't happen in like 2019 and in 2020. I was like, I'm not going to get Disney plus. I'll see if I can hold out and like, whatever and the mandalorian wasn't like high on the list of things like i knew that people liked it and i knew it was popular and like the baby yoda like grogu i knew that people were like super into this but i was like ah you know i'll wait 
Um, but then 2020 being what it was, um, for the holidays last year, I did like Christmas with friends and it was just like a couple of us. And so we ended up, you know, watching a good amount of TV. We watched both seasons of the Mandalorian. So I had, I didn't know how much I really didn't know about the show until I watched it. And learned that it was a space western i like i went in with zero expectations or knowledge about it like for the most part for a lot of things i do try to like not seek out too much information if i know it's something i'm going to want to watch because i i want it to be i want the viewing experience to be as uninfluenced as possible if i'm like this looks good. I know I'm going to watch it. I won't find anything else about it. And like, it might take as anyone who's ever met me knows it takes many years before I do watch some things, but eventually I like get there. So I'm glad I did that because the show, I I'm surprised I didn't hear more about the show with how good it was. Yeah. I remember seeing like the trailer for the first season and being really interested in it. And I, this is, you know, I'm I I'm not into the Clone Wars TV show, which has a lot more about Mandalorians and Re- Star Wars Rebels. Like I've just never seen them, and I've heard great things about them. Uh, I'm I think that at at some point I'm sure I'll watch them. I just have to like kind of carve out the time, and there's like too much stuff I want to watch to to get to it immediately, but. As someone who doesn't have like an extensive knowledge of the Star Wars universe beyond like the main movies and those anthology movies that came out, you know, I I wasn't like thirsty for Star Wars content. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure a lot of people yeah. were and are, but I was I was you know I'm good with what we got. But for this show, I remember seeing the trailer for it, and I was like, okay, it looks interesting. Like I'll check it out. And what was so amazing, I think, is just like really like the reveal in the first episode. Like you 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 go into the series thinking this is going to be about this one guy and it is, but it's really it becomes like this um for lack of a better term like a father-son tale type thing. Mm-hmm. And you know about him trying to protect this child. And I think that that was just so radically different from what people were expecting that it kind of drew them in in a way. And then obviously like you know you get baby Yoda himself he's just you know very cute very cuddly and um he becomes like this instant star and it was really smart of Disney to like hide that like they didn't give it away with like you know they didn't have the merchandise ready to go I remember that was a big talking point when the series premiered was that they kept it a secret and you know usually in these types of things like they already have like the Lego tie-ins ready they have the 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 dolls and the action figures ready to go and they like held all that stuff to keep the secret yeah and it i remember it just it became you know baby yoda was everywhere that was a big thing right like that'll be difficult to explain to my kids and which rosa already knows baby yoda you know she already has a a baby yoda doll but like (laughs) when she gets older i'll be able to really kind of tell her about like yeah it was like a month-long kind of phenomenon where it's like baby Yoda was everywhere. Do you remember that? Yeah. I definitely remember when that was like a thing and it was all over and then you know all the to your point you know they held off on all the like toys and everything 
but I feel like as soon as Baby Yoda was introduced, a week later, there was just so much, like, stuff that kids could get, adults could get, like, Disney did a good job kind of playing it close to the chest like that, but yeah, you're right, like, that, that, that was, like, a very weird month of life. So when the, the show premieres and, you know, it's got John Favreau as the showrunner and he's directing some episodes. Bryce Dallas Howard directed an episode. The last episode of the season is directed by Taika Waititi. I think that what one of the things that drew people to the show, you know, John Favreau talked a little bit about how it was going to be a little bit more gritty and kind of like the underworld of Star Wars and like, kind of leaning into the um you know there's no jedi in the first season right there's no like there's not like he grogu uses the force but like the people don't really know what it is so kind of the the world building of it was i think something that appealed to me what did what did you think of that aspect of it and like seeing these planets and meeting these creatures that you've never seen i liked it a lot like i like the entire setup i like that it gets away from the Jedi and for, further fleshes out the world. Of course, like we have mentioned on past podcasts, there's like books, there are these other TV shows and they like, there is a world that like all came from basically the original trilogy of star Wars, but like to sit and watch a show that like, you know, it's in the world of star Wars, but it's not necessarily star. Like it, it made it exciting and fun. It'd be like if in Harry Potter they did a I mean now no one want no one cares because JK Rowling. But um like Fantastic Beasts kind of had that potential or it does have that potential to like be in that same wizarding world and like be its own thing. But I, I sometimes feel like it ties too much into Harry Potter anyway. But like th- there is potential within these big worlds where there can be like a other storylines that are really interesting and make the world just like bigger and brighter and just like better where it's like it it adds dimensions to it so i definitely i felt like this show was a good addition how did i mean you weren't looking for the star wars content but you liked the show a lot yeah, well, I think your your comparison to Fantastic Beasts is a good one. And again, obviously, that's like fraught these days with, again, with J.K. Rowling. But something that she shares with Lucas is like this foundational world building that started with them, right? Yeah. Singular person. And then it kind of branches out to other things. I agree that Fantastic Beasts has like the potential, but I've said it on this podcast before, I think, like it that's hindered by... Fantastic Beast is hindered by her, apart from the how problematic she is at this point, uh, which is very problematic. But she's also not a good screenwriter. Yeah. And like she she writes those movies, and she's just not a very good screenwriter. So it's kind of limited by that. What's so smart and so good about The Mandalorian is that it has people like Dave Filoni and John Favreau, um, who are you know, writing the series, directing the series, um, bringing, you know, Taika Waititi, like I said, directed an episode, you know, Peyton Reed, the the guy who's, um, does the Ant-Man movies, has directed episodes, Rick Famuyiwa, um, who did, 
the movie Dope, which I, I like a lot. Um, he also did the movie Brown Sugar. Like, they're, they're able to bring in, you know, Mando was able to bring in talent to, like, build off of Lucas's vision. And he doesn't have to do it. We all know what his limitations as a director are, as a writer are. We, you know, we went through that at length in the prequel pods. But, you know, they're building on his worlds and you're, you're putting people who are, you know, frankly, just kind of better with the nuts and bolts storytelling that kind that can kind of take this incredible world building that Lucas started that starts with him and kind of build on it. And I wonder with I think that Fantastic Beasts would be better served in that capacity, too, with like uh, writers who are just, you know, better TV writers. Um, or better movie writers than JK to kind of like take it to the next level. I also feel like, and again, this isn't a Harry Potter pod, but like, I feel like Harry Potter could have a Mando. It could have a show like that if they put the right TV people behind it. Um, I hope that that happens. I don't know if it will or not, but like, I feel like there's like, that's just a huge, huge opportunity. And, you know, Mando kind of is the blueprint for that. I agree with that. I agree with that in that, yes, there could be a Harry Potter TV show or or some type of like miniseries or something that is like as successful because that world foundation exists. Even people who don't necessarily care for Harry Potter, it's the same with Star Wars, like someone who hasn't necessarily watched Star Wars, they could go in and watch The Mandalorian and it can stand on its own. And, and Fantastic Beasts also can stand on its own, but I think the with the right writers, with the right people, they could make something really good. Um, but that is like what is good about The Mandalorian is that it's a standalone show and it does lay that blueprint. But while it's a standalone show, um, it also kind of still leans into like Star Wars was supposed to kind of be like this space western. And then The Mandalorian is also. A space western. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It like really leads into it, especially more than like the prequels do, right? Exactly, they, yeah. Like that kind of that lean more into like the space sci-fi aspect of it, but like especially in the second season of Mando, it's pretty like straightforward. There's some stuff, some really overt homages. I think of the the first episode of season two where they meet um, the guy who has it's uh, Timothy Oliphant's character who has Boba Fett's armor. Like that's a pretty straightforward, like Western episode of television. Um, In the first season two, the first season where they go back to Tatooine and they meet that guy and um, they have to like go into the deserts of Tatooine on a mission. Like, it's very straightforward. Um, there's a there's a western called Pale Rider, a Clint Eastwood western, and like uh, I'm sounding like my mom. All my western <laughs> knowledge comes from my mom, but like in Pale Rider, like he plays uh, his character is just named like the preacher, and he has to like protect this family from. Uh, God, I haven't seen the movie in years, but he has to like protect his family from like some kind of evil sheriff or something in the town, and he becomes really close with like the daughter in this um, in the family. The daughter's like maybe eight or nine years old, and like that's kind of the dynamic 
like Clint Eastwood is the adult, you know, gunslinger protector of this family and of this child. And like, there's some pretty overt homages to that type of Western motif. Um, the Ahsoka episode, the Ahsoka episode of of season two is like really clear, like Seven Samurai, um, Seven Samurai homage, which is, you know, Kurosawa, who is, um, you know, a lot of Westerns got the, got the game from, from that. Um, the Magnificent Seven is a, uh, is an interpretation of Seven, Seven Samurai. So like, it's, Definitely, like, samurai slash Western influences are, like, all over it. And, like you said, it just, it really leans, leans into it more so than the prequels. And even, really, the sequel trilogy, uh, yeah. too. Like, it really gets back to, like, the, the nuts and bolts of what Star Wars began as. And I think that that's another reason why people were so drawn to it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's probably a big reason why, like, fans of the original series when they watch the Mandalorian, they have like way different feedback than they do for any of the other movies that have come out. And it's probably, well, it's written super well. It's tight. It's good. And it feels like star Wars. What do you think of the, the Mando character, you know, played by Pedro Pascal. Um, He's, you know, we learn in the season one that he was a child and kind of taken in by this group of Mandalorians. And there's a lot of explaining about the, the mythology of, of the Mandalorians or for what he believes is like the true um, the true purpose of Mandalorians. And that kind of his worldview gets a little challenged in season two when he meets like Bo-Katan and those people. But like, what do you think of the character of, of, Mandal- of, of Mando, of Din? I I like the character. I think it's good that Mando is just not a super over-the-top character or super too much of anything character. That really helps when it comes to just the story overall with different episodes. Like, other things can happen without it feeling like too much, if that makes sense. Like, some shows, sometimes it feels like the main character and then whatever conflict they're like dealing with, it just all feels like way too much going on. And so with the Mandalorian with Mando and like, you kind of have like this steady story going on, but with each episode being its own unique thing and he adapt, like the character adapts well to all these different situations while still being the same character, of course, like it's not like he's a different character in each episode. It's just like, it, I I like the character. I like the way the character interacts with the world. And I like the like very subtle development. Like again, as he's kind of like learning more about the Mandalorian and like it shows kind of like how a lot of us feel when we like learn something about life. Like we think that we learn know a lot of things just based off of like our life experience, but like something comes and like kind of shakes us and like I think that happens, but in a way where like, yeah, it's a big part of the story, but not the only part of the story. I think it just is like a well-balanced story when it comes to the character and like all the various things going on in the episodes. Like, well, you make, you make a good point about him. Like he's kind of a blank character, right? Like yeah. he, he's someone that we can, 
he he's the straight person. He's reacting to everything else. And so we can kind of it's it's I think in a world or, or you know, a galaxy as like diverse and so you're seeing so many different new creatures, you're being introduced to so many new worlds and stuff that, you know, it's it's Star Wars, so it's kind of familiar, but it's also some stuff that we've never seen in Star Wars. So this is like filling in the gap between the original trilogy and the, and the sequel trilogy. I think it's important to have like a blank character like that to sort of, we can project onto him and like kind of react as he reacts because he's also encountering new worlds, new people and stuff like that. So I think that the choice, like you said, to make him like not over the top or reserved I think it was a smart one because we can kind of react in the same way that he does. It kind of makes us empathize with him more and like yes. understand him more as we like kind of react to everything that he's seen. How did you feel? So like reacting with him, but like, how did you feel where they don't show his face? So then that, do you think that really helps that like there are no emotions and you can kind of as a viewer project the feelings onto him? Do you think that's another thing that people kind of subconsciously enjoy? I think it's that, and I also think that, like, there's this thing where it's, like, so he's blank, like, literally, like you said, right? Like, we don't see his face, and I think that it endears us to him, but it's also, like, at a certain point, I I'm, I'm, I want to get your opinion on this, too, but I feel like it kind of becomes almost a distraction in that you're waiting for him to take it off. Like, you're, I think that the audience kind of, like, as the series builds, because, like, the show points it out. There's that episode in the first season where they're, you know, again, and this is a, a 100% Western motif where it's like him and, Gina, and the Gina Carano character. Um, shout out to another very problematic person. But uh, they're like on a planet and they have to like help a village of people. Like that's one, like that's literally the plot of Seven, Seven Samurai where they like have to help this town against like invaders and looters and stuff. But they like, so they do that, and then, like, there's a woman that he meets on the planet, and they're, they're, you know, there's the romantic sparks are flying or whatever, but she, like, wants to take off his mask, and he won't do it. And I feel like at that point, that's, like, kind of, like, at the midpoint of season one, but, like, ever since that, it's, like, building and building, or it's, like, in the back of your head, I think, you're, like, okay, when, when are we going to see his face? When are we going to see his face? And it almost becomes, like, kind of distracting, and we see it. At the for the first time in the last episode of season one, but like, do you feel that way too? Do you feel like it was kind of like as the series went on in in season one, was it almost distracting thinking about it, or what do you think about that? I did feel like it was a little drawn out. Yeah, like you get that he can't, you know, take off his helmet, but I do think it was kind of like overly focused on. After a point where it's like, oh, yeah, he's not taking off his helmet. It's like, yeah, okay, but, like, as the viewer, like, you're still going to, like, show him. Like, there's going to be a situation where he can't wear the helmet. And it it is one of those things that's kind of in the back of your mind. You're thinking about, like, okay, well, like, are you going to are you gonna do this or, or no? And I'm wondering maybe because when we watch anything with, like, Boba Fett and Jango Fett, well... We don't really see Boba Fett's face, but Jango Fett's face you see. And 
I don't know. Like, I, I'm trying to, like, figure out if it's maybe because we're just used to, like, that reveal happening sooner in, like, other movies or or what. But, like, I as I'm thinking about it, because now I'm thinking about, like, even Darth Vader. Like, we don't see Darth Vader's face, but, like, that's not... It doesn't become, like, a distraction in the back of your mind through these nine hours of movie, you know? Yeah, I, and I also think that this is where, like, you and I might be different as people who didn't watch like clone wars and stuff yeah because like if you watch clone wars i know for a fact that i and i that's i haven't watched it yet but i know for a fact like the bo katan character and like other mandalorians like they take their helmets off all the time like yeah. it's not a big deal to them like yes yeah. and so i also think that that was interesting in season two which we can talk about a little bit here but like in season two when he meets those mandalores or those mandalorians and they, they take their helmets off they like he like saves them they save him from like um getting ate up on a boat basically and then like after everything's done he, they like take their helmets off he's like oh well, you guys aren't really mandalorians and they're like yeah we are bro like you're the one that was like raised by this like cult basically like this yeah. splinter group of, of mandalorians who think that it's like religion to like not take off your helmet and that's not really what it's about so that kind of conflict or tension between the two of them I thought was really interesting. It was good. I think it 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 opens the door to so much more once you find out that it's kind of a cult of like Mandalorian and you're like, "Oh, this is not how they all are." And like it I mean, obviously they did it on purpose. They're probably going to do various spin-offs and like for folks who, you know, watch Clone Wars, they're like, "Yeah, this isn't surprising." But as the casual viewer, it's just like, oh, wow. This, like, adds a little bit more depth to the entire story because we've just been following along. And, like, yeah, this seems normal. This seems fine. Whatever. Like, people do weird stuff all the time in the Star Wars world. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not the most strange thing, oddly. And, um, yeah. It... In the... In the world of star wars it's just like it it's just impressive how it, they do add in like Bogotan and it's just like and and how she's not necessarily like you don't know if she's good or bad right um and and that's like another thing you don't really know if like mando he's like not really good but he's not really bad like there's a lot of gray in the show for a lot of these characters which is good it's entertaining and it's um it's interesting watching them like work through these conflicts so to go back to that other point, I think that like as I think that viewers who are familiar with the cartoons series were like probably thinking it from the perspective of like why is he like that? Like why doesn't he take off his, oh, his helmet? Because yeah. Yeah, yeah. like to them again with Bogotan and then they're like taking off your helmet is like they do that all the time. So like why? Why is he like that? Like how do you reconcile that viewpoint from what we've seen where like that is not like a part of the Mandalorian like creed or whatever. And so like the the explanation in season two about him being from a sect of like the cult part of Mandalorians, I think was a, a, a good way for the writers to kind of bridge that gap. Yeah. Um and, I, and to your other point, I also think that like the gray area is important. Like that's that's what makes compelling TV. Yeah. Right? Like it's TV is a different medium than the movies and in, in that it's like, okay, 
you even if a movie has a sequel, like within the movie, like there has to be like kind of the three act structure, and you know we got to know who the good guy and the bad guy is by at least the end, like by the end of the movie. But with this series, it's like okay, we can characters can change, their motivations can change, they can kind of flip flop both sides, and I think that it also kind of like adds to um, what Filoni and what Favreau are doing in terms of like the grittiness and kind of like the underbelly of the Star Wars Wars world. And I also think that like the gray area is really manifested well in the like the guest stars, the guest appearances, yeah. um, in each episode where someone like um. Uh, what's his name? Stand up, Bill Burr, in the first season and in the second season, like he's the guy that they like. Mando has to like break out of prison, and he's a criminal, but he's also like is an ally of Mando, weirdly, and like that type of thing. Where it's just like, can you trust him? Can you not? Um, what do you think about that? Like the guest appear, like the, the guest star, the guest stars, and the people who kind of fill that role in, into the gray area. I think they do a good job. Like to your point, they hey, they do a good job of like filling that gray area to make it like compelling TV. But they also get really good guest stars. Like that's another that's something that is important, right? Like you can't just throw any random person into this. Where I'm sure it's very easy to be like, oh, we can just get whoever's like the biggest person right now, and they're not doing that. Like they're well known people, but like. They create characters that are, like, very interesting, move the story forward. And somehow these characters do become, like, more of the focus than Mando in the episodes. Which is, I don't, as a viewer, like, I think that's entertaining for a TV show. Because it can get not exhausting watching the same character. Because obviously it's a show about this character, but, like... You have to have these other supporting characters who are kind of like in a similar position to like flesh out what is really going on. Like you can't just have this single person narrative. Yeah, you're right. Like the fact that they have such strong guest stars, it really just adds to the depth of the show. Like it'd be one thing to, you know, get this famous TV actor or actress on and, you know, it, it, it would almost like kind of take you out of it. And again, I think that kind of goes back to even with Mando and his blankness mm-hmm. and not being able to see his face. Like you, it makes you more immersed in the world versus, um, you know, if it was some, if it, Kate Winslet or whatever is the star of the show, like it's just different. Like yes. you're kind of, it takes you him being blank kind of like just puts you in his position more. You're able to see um, you, you're seeing things through this character's eyes versus like the actor's eyes. And I think that like, if they're bringing in people who were like too famous or too like known for something else, like it would take, it would almost take away from what you're watching. And again, like these, it's not like they're casting like complete unknowns in these roles, right? You have like Carl Weathers plays a recurring character and, um, you know, again, Taika Waititi was also voiced to one of the droids, and so it's people you're familiar with, but not to the point where it's like they don't come with any baggage. You can still like kind of accept them as a part of this world and kind of go with it. Yes, exactly. Like, yes, there's like fan service, but it's not fan service to like a weird extreme to be like, yeah, we're gonna try to bring in 
other types of things. Like, no, the, it's a good enough show that like people will come and watch it who are not Star Wars fans because it's like, put it doesn't need these like huge names. I'm trying to think. Like, Kate Winslet is a good example, but also she's a good actress, so <laughs> people would be it's like, true. oh yeah, she's she's good. I'm I'm like, who's like really hip right? Like putting Ryan Reynolds in it, like. Right. Ryan Reynolds is fine and he's great, but like, what does he add that like, other than like having his name on it? Well, I want to. I guess I would, this is a good way to ask about you. You're talking about fan service, so I, I guess I wanted to ask your opinion about season two. Season two, I feel like has a lot of fan service. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but it also works in a yes. weird way. So like again, we've been we've mentioned Bo Katan again. That's someone who um, made her debut in Clone Wars, like an animated form. Um, Ahsoka Tano also was in Mandalorian. Like season two is when like Mandalorian was like, okay, we got season one out of the way. Now we're just gonna take like the Clone Wars and Rebels, and we're just gonna, like gonna take it into live action. Yeah, there's like a, a Thrawn mention in Ahsoka Tano's episode, like. They, it just goes to another level. But like, and then like, the most probably you can make an argument like the most fan servicey thing that's ever been done in pop culture happens in the finale of season two, right? Like you bring in literally a DH like Luke Skywalker, like that's there's it can't be in R two D two like you can't get more fan servicey than that, but it also works. Um. But I don't know. What do you think of the second season and like kind of incorporating like the, the fan servicey aspect into it? I liked it because I like that it kind of ties it back in to the rest of the Star Wars world without it being blatantly like, here's Han Solo. Right. You know, where it's like it's a good reminder that like, yeah, it's still part of like these other the season one was a foundation. Like this is who, what the Mandalorian is about. These are, like, the main characters. These are their motivations. This is what they're kind of working towards. And, like, here are their major conflicts and, like, the big players, basically, all introduced. So then that really does set it up for season two to be like, okay, so now that we don't have to rely on other characters from the world, now that they we are established, all of these characters are established, you know who you're rooting for, you know what you want, we can introduce, like, other non-major characters i mean like obviously luke skywalker is a very major character in the star wars world yes but like it's only that one episode it's a very small part of that season finale and i didn't love it but i'm sure there was like a purpose to it i feel like as a whole like anything that is done in the mandalorian is very intentional like, it's a TV show that, like, everything, every small detail, like, serves a purpose at some point. Um, it's not trying to, there isn't, like, filler time where it's just, like, this is just an episode of, like, fluff. It all somewhat, like, ties back together. And so bringing in other Star Wars characters that fans know and like and, like, it's it's not like it's super deep cuts, that they're bringing in so it it just does it well to just kind of do a a blending of all the various you know side stories of star wars that are out there 
Well, I think a, a point that you might be kind of like hinting at that I agree with is like, I just feel like we're in good hands. You know what I mean? Like with the showrunners and like the Oh, creators. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it makes me like easier. It makes it easier for me to like accept where they're going. Even if there's some stuff that I question. Was there some stuff in season two that I that I questioned a little bit Yeah, that, that I could get to? But like overall, I'm just like, what you're saying where you're like everything happens for a reason like it's very detailed like i just i trust the creators i trust their process i trust that um they're putting things in place that will pay pay off later um because i I, you know they did stuff in season one that paid off in season two so i can i just kind of trust that they're going in the right direction even if there's some stuff that's kind of questionable to me in the moment um, with the fan servicey type things, and um, I don't know. I'll probably explain one of those things a little bit later. But I, I did want to ask if there is maybe we can talk about to kind of uh, our last little segment here. We can kind of talk about maybe some of our favorite episodes, maybe two or three of our favorite episodes, and uh, talk about why. Yeah, no, I think that's that's good. Um, I mean, to be the most basic. I did think that the first episode was excellent. Mm-hmm. It gets you hooked like that. I, I'm going to sound very dumb, but like if the first episode is just like, meh, I'm like, Ooh, am I going to finish this show? And I remember watching the first episode and being like, Oh my gosh, I need to watch more of this show. Um, but that's like an immediate one. What, what's kind of like the first one that comes to mind for you that you're like, yeah, this was, this is great. The first one that comes to mind for me is uh, from season one, and I think it's the one, yeah, it's called The Prisoner, um, episode six of season one, and that's the one where they go and get Bill Burr. Um, it's like definitely a like, it's like his old gang. Like he goes for some reason, like his old gang needs him. Mando's old gang needs him to help them break a guy out of jail, and the guy's Bill Burr, and. Um, it's like an escape, a prison escape ex- uh, episode. It really reminded me, and I remember see, reading about this when that episode aired, but like it reminded me of like a lot of Star Trek, actually. Um, a lot of like uh, sort of like mission style and like it's a, a bunch of different alien races. I mean, obviously that's a staple of Star Wars too, but like the way that the episode happened, it was it was kind of reminiscent of Star Trek, but like mixed with uh, a prison break movie and it was just really good i remember it was just really well done and like that's an episode from season one that i like just really really enjoyed what about what's another one that you liked i liked the episode in season two where the mandalorian he's trying to help this lady travel well frog lady he's trying to help this frog this was just a funny episode to me it Mm -hmm. wasn't like oh this was just like great it it moved the story forward and it did feel like it was not necessarily doing that when he's like helping this woman to like move her eggs and it's in like this bag and they end up like getting chased by these little like um ice spiders because of grogu but like grogu's like eating the eggs (laughs) (laughs) and it's like this is kind of evil like this little but it's like it's a child so it's not evil but it's just like this little frog woman's like panicking and 
Grogu's like, yeah, I don't care. I'm hungry. Yeah. Um, it is one of the softer episodes, I feel, in terms of, like, it, it still has, like, that westerny, you know, he's helping someone, but, like, it's a lot more lighthearted. And this isn't like a heavy show. Like I don't, I don't want it to sound like, oh, the show's like so heavy and it needs like some comedic relief because it does have some like very, very good moments of comedic relief and they're timed well. Um, but that that like episode is just like very chaotic and silly to me. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good one. It's tough. It's tough for Grogu to eat the eggs. Yeah, can't do that, man. You can't. No. We gotta. Feed him though. Feed him, Mando. You gotta feed him. You gotta make sure he's not. He's not hungry. He's not wanting egg snacks. It's not cool. He's fan. He is a mess, and that's where it just kind of it helps with the Grogu character, um, where it's like this isn't just like a child. Like this is. I mean, it is a child, but like there are like consequences to actions, and there's like that tension of like, no, we have to keep all these eggs alive so they can repopulate with these this type of like species take care take better care man take care <laughs> you just you got to keep an eye on them you got to be more into it man like you got to it's true it's very true uh, <laughs> are there any other episodes that you're like oh yeah this one i like think of this one a lot i gotta i gotta go with the, the season two episode with ahsoka um yeah it's the jedi that one is like it opens with her and like you see her her lightsabers it's like a mist like that's that's the one where i, I missed earlier it's like a hundred percent an homage to like samurai movies samurai westerns like it's the way it's shot like everything it's like the plot it's real good um i know a lot of people who are like really invested in clone wars and rebels like they were so like thrilled to finally see the ahsoka character in live action. Um, I don't have know a little bit about Clone Wars, but again, I've never watched it. Um, From what I know of Ahsoka, she's like a very beloved character. And I thought that Rosario Dawson did a great job playing her. And that episode was just really fun to watch, really fun to look at. So I got to shout that one out. Do you have any other ones? Um, Trying to think, because they kind of they do start to kind of have similar moments uh, or not similar moments, but like they, you know, they're building on each other. So I'm like, Oh, this happened in this episode. I feel like in the second season, it happens more where I'm like, Oh, like there's a lot more overlap in the episodes. Um, So I'm trying to think if there's any other one where I was like, yeah, I really, this episode was so great um, and stood out to me other than where like the next episode that I'm like thinking of is when he, um tries to get back the Boba Fett like armor. Mm-hmm. So like and, and but that one it's not really because of like the story I think of it. I'm just like, all oh, right, this is like one of those plot points where it's just like, oh yeah, this needed to happen for a future episode of when right. Boba Fett does come in. Um but like the ep- oh, I'm being very flippant about an episode that I'm like, no, every single episode of the show is like very good. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not, I don't know. I don't want to say that like one is better than the other, but like there are some that I think of the episodes and I'm like, oh yeah, this episode very much served a purpose. Whereas other episodes, it's like, yeah, this, 
tells the story and it's not as if like you have to think about the show and think about what's been happening to get to that place of like oh yeah this this was very relevant um some are like way more surface level with it i guess is what i'm saying well what did you think of the finale what did you think of the finale of season two it was good it wasn't bad like it wasn't a bad it just i think it goes back to i was just not super excited for like it to be luke who shows up right and i feel like it had a lot of build-up for that to kind of be the ending and maybe that like it wasn't a again all the episodes are like very good i just feel like there was just so much anticipation and it's like oh well this is what's gonna happen and it was not what i thought so expectation did not meet reality and so then i was like wait what yeah so how did you feel about that the season two finale i like the episode a lot my my thing though is that like so when the X-Wing comes in at the end. Yeah. And I was like, who is it? I was like, is it Ahsoka? I was just like, it can't be Luke. Like, that can't be it. And then, you know, it turns out to be him. To me, I was kind of, like, shocked that they just, as a storytelling choice, that they actually did that. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty, like, weighty thing to do. And I know that that there is a lot of, like, consideration that goes into a decision like that, blah, blah, blah. But for me... The issue I had with it was his scene where he's like cutting through everyone, right? Mm-hmm. He's got his lightsaber out and he's like, he's doing it. I just kind of found it a little indulgent. And I found it in, indulgent in the way that like the Darth Vader scene in Rogue One is at the end of it. Where it's just like, I, I get it like from a storytelling perspective in, the, in Rogue One. And everyone's just like, oh, that's so cool. He's such a badass, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I get it. But I'm also just like, you know, you shouldn't be cheering for Darth Vader. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, and a lot of people were. And like, I don't know. I just, it's, I found it a little indulgent. But at the same time, I get it. Like, people want to see him be cool and do cool shit. So with like the Luke thing, though, I found that a lot more indulgent. And that like the discourse around it was, uh, there are people like drawing parallels to that and like the vader scene from rogue one and i'm just like you're missing the point though yeah like the point of you know when luke finds out that darth vader is his father at the end of empire like that shatters his worldview mm-hmm. like he's he's thought that his dad he was raised thinking his dad was like this great good you know um Jedi who is just like a hero and blah 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 and then he learns that his father's like the embodiment of evil basically and that like that has an impact on him and to cut to like the Mando finale and he's just like doing the same you know lightsaber tricks cutting through everyone like that's fine but I'm just like that kind of people were just like, oh man, he's such a badass like Darth Vader was. And I'm just like, you're missing the point though. Yeah. So that's kind of what I I took an issue with. But like, I thought that the episode was well directed and well, like it was cool and everything like that. I, I liked the episode, but I did, I just thought that like, I found it a little indulgent in a way that kind of like turned me off. I guess. And like to the fan servicing part, I'm just like, 
to me, it was just like Disney being like, we got you. Like, we yeah. got you in our crab and our grasp. Like, we're not like we can we can do this. So we're going to do it. And it's just like kind of just have to accept it, I guess. But like, I don't know. It was crazy. I agree with you. I think you make some very good points and like making that parallel to Rogue One that shouldn't have been that shouldn't have been it and yeah no I agree I think that adds to it even more of just it being like yeah maybe that was just like a little too much um of having Luke it yeah I don't know I'm I'm hoping because it was done the way it was done this next season will kind of account for it and explain why it needed to be the way it was. I agree. And you already know they have like other stuff in the pipe. Like they yeah. have, you know, they got the, they're, they're ready for the other spinoff shows. There's going to be a Boba Fett spinoff show. There's going to be an Ahsoka show. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're setting up a lot of different things. So, but they, I, they- you know, I trust that they're we're in good hands. I guess that's all I can say. Well, I mean, with all the awards there, it's been nominated for, like, it's, I, yeah, and it's won awards. So, like, it, I have a lot of trust in it because of that. Where it's just like, okay, there might be times where I'm like, oh, I don't like love this piece of an episode, um, but like overall, like the writing is good and the storytelling is good, and it's just like, okay. And it's being recognized that it is this. So, like, that means when they do something that's just, like, a little off, it's like, okay, well, they know what they're doing in this. Like, they get awards for it. That Awards don't mean anything. Like, awards do mean things. But, like, something can still be really great and not get awards. And so this just happens to be one of those things that is really great and getting awards. And so... We'll see, or they're just, they use this second season really for a springboard for all these other things for that Boba Fett show and um, the Ahsoka show. So I I don't know. I don't feel like it was used like that. I think the fan service things were used strategically, but not necessarily to be like, okay, well, we're just like only getting it ready so that we can like launch into other things because that doesn't seem sustainable from a, strategy standpoint i don't know i don't work for disney they could hire me i'd be like yeah let's go tell me about all the things coming out and then lock me in a room because i will tell someone (laughs) gotta get (laughs) gotta get the bag i'd pull a tom holland so fast (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah they i mean the next season comes out how like do you have any parting thoughts before i ask you this question no, no, I, I, I enjoy the show. I'm excited for a new season, whatever comes out. Um, I'll, I'm sure I'll tap into the other stuff that they're doing with the Ahsoka show and stuff. But like, um, it's really enjoyable. And I said that on the last pod, like, it's almost to like the sequel trilogy's detriment how popular it is because it's uh, like the storytelling was at such a high level. Yeah, there's so many up and downs with the actual movies that were going on at the same time. Like, um. It's a good show, and I'm excited to see where it goes. So then, how do you think it's going to start? Like, season three of Mando? Um, Yeah, do you think it's going to really lean into, like, another Western, like, storyline and just really steal from that? Or do you think it's going to try to 
go in another direction? Like, what are, what are your thoughts? Well, the style of it, I expect it to continue to be like this sort of Western style, but I think like storytelling wise, I think they'll start to lean into like, who is Mando without Grogu? Who is he without Baby Yoda? Because like, that's the only way that we've seen him. That's the only context that we've seen him in. So I think it'll be something where he's trying to like reckon with himself where he's dedicated the last, you know, year, two years, however long in the storytelling time to this child. And now he kind of has to figure out, you know, who he gave him the Luke at the end. So it's like, now who am I? Yeah. Um, am I going to try and get with Bo-Katan? And like, there's this tension between the two of them in terms of like being Mandalorians and maybe leading Mandalorians. Like, is, are they going to lead to that? Is he going to link up with Ahsoka again and help her or the other like guest characters that he's met along the way? Like, how is that going to work? So I think that'll be interesting to see. What about you? I, I think I agree with you. It's going to be him like navigating like what to do with all the information he kind of gained in season two about the Mandalorian. And like, he's probably going to seek out Bo-Katan and like um, try to just like better understand what he was missing or like, all these other things. So I do think it's going to have that. I think Grogu's going to come back into it, but I assume it's going to be like a bigger focus on Mando figuring it out, figuring out his life. Yeah, you gotta figure Grogu will come out at some point. Like he, They can't just leave him out for the rest of the series. Yeah, exactly. But I, I don't think it will be like as much of, I hope it's not as much of a focus, because it did feel very like final when he went with Luke. And so, I'm, I would hope that they would go in a direction where they can like still make new, like they can stay in the same storyline, stay with the same vibe, but like bring in some new ideas of like developing this character in this season. I agree. I'm looking forward to it, whatever they do for sure. Um, I'm going to be in there watching. Same. Like, ooh, very excited for this one. I'm excited for the return of like Disney. Disney's doing okay with their TV shows. I don't hate to say it, but man, it was not something I expected. So shout out to Disney for crushing it with at least the Marvel and star Wars shows. Um, next week we'll be doing a mailbag. So if you have Star Wars questions, hit us up or comments or things you want us to talk about or things that you felt like we didn't talk about. And you're like, why didn't you address this? And if you're going to ask us why we didn't watch Clone Wars, um, we only have so much time in the day. We have like full-time jobs <laughs> and like other obligations. <laughs> so we'll get there eventually. Maybe we'll do a revisit and just do all like the side things of Star Wars. But for now, we're doing what we can. We're trying our hardest out here, but send us your questions. You can tweet at us. You can tweet at the Tailgate Society. Um, looking forward to like going through those mailbag questions and comments and just chopping it up. Talk to us. Let's go, y'all. Talk to us. We wanna. We wanna hear from you. We do. That's, a, that's an actual fact. But thank y'all for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.